Hello and welcome to Knowing Nature, the podcast all about exploring and engaging with the natural world. I'm your host, Victor. In this episode, I'm joined by science producer and informal educator, Lucia, to talk about her work at Ocean School. Welcome to the show, Lucia. Hi, thank you for having me here. So this is your first time on the show. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. My name is Lucia. I'm living, I live in Canada, uh, currently in Halifax, Nova Scotia, so on the Atlantic coast. I have a background in marine biology and then went back to get a graduate diploma in science communication and have been working in science centers and aquariums for the past few years. Because I really love talking with people and getting them excited about the ocean specifically. I love the ocean. I fell in love with it as a child. Uh, Now I work for an online educational product called Ocean School. So once again, very much connected to the ocean and getting to teach kids, but virtually online. So I don't get to really interact with kids, which I kind of miss. (laughs) Um, So before we dive into that, what got you interested in nature? Uh, So... Growing up, uh, I I moved to Canada when I was a baby. I was born in Croatia. And every summer, almost every summer, my parents would ship my sister and I back to Croatia to spend the summers with my grandmother so they don't have to deal with us. Uh, And we would oftentimes spend time on the coast in Croatia. So I do a lot of snorkeling uh, and just being in the water. I would just want to be in the water 24-7. And I think that's where my love for the ocean and the environment came from being able to snorkel and watch snails move or watch little crabs run around and scare fish away. Uh, And I think those summers really helped build that basis. And just throughout my life, I've always loved learning about uh, different animals in the world. I love watching documentaries uh, and that just kind of grew and grew. And then From a young age, I knew I wanted to study marine biology, just like I feel like everyone does at some point. They always want to work with dolphins at one point in their life. Uh, I stuck to that dream pretty much up until university. Uh, And then in university, we would run these open houses where the community could come in and we had basically our lab full of a lot of specimen, like octopus, uh, isopods, and we could talk to the community members above it about them. And I love that. I love being able to educate others uh, and show them how crazy and cool an isopod, is, a giant isopod is and what they are and give them, talk to them about the octopus and explain why this octopus specimen is missing their eyes because they have really cool eyes and people love to study their eyes. And I just got so into it and that's really shaped my career. So up to that point, I was very much like, I'm going to study whales and dolphins. And I did internships on that. And then at that point, I kind of switched to educating others versus going out and actually doing field work and coming back to the lab and crunching numbers about whales and dolphins, but wanting to really teach people about the ocean. And I honestly believe that in order to want to protect something or care for it, you really have to love it and learn about it first. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. So that's my whole spin on the anything in the environment to get people excited about it. And then in turn, that's how that's the reason why they want to start caring for it. 
Yeah. And what got you really excited about it was, was spending time, it sounds like, mm-hmm. um, just in those outdoor spaces. When you think back to those earlier points in your life, were there significant adults and how did they help you in terms of getting to know nature? Yeah, that's a great question. I've never been asked that. Uh, I guess growing up, when I was like a Croatian swimming, I think it was very much me, myself, and I. Like <laughs> My grandma doesn't know much about the ocean or science or the environment in general, but it was more so my dad, I'd say. He, was, he has a background in geology, um, and both my parents are pretty outdoorsy. Uh, so they weren't there every summer, but the summers that they were there, and we were able to explore. He and I would go off snorkeling together for hours and just like pointing out different things. Um, and then as we like outside of the ocean, when we go for walks, he, we would always kind of look for different animals, different rocks, different trees. And now, even now, when I go walking out with my parents, we use um, iNaturalist and the Seek app to identify plants that we're seeing because we, they've always kind of instilled this curiosity in me to learn more about our natural environment around us. And I think from that's what I learned from them. And that's what I want to like pass on to people. Yeah. And those are such great tools that mm-hmm. didn't, didn't exist when we were kids growing up. Like iNaturalist nope. as well is so excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of opportunities now for using technology. So let's talk a bit more about the work that you do currently. So I work for my, the organization I work for, we're called Ocean School. And it's a collaboration of Dalhousie University here in uh, Halifax and the National Film Board of Canada. So we like to think of it as the cross section of storytelling, science and education. So on any project that we're working on, we have a science producer like myself, we have an education producer, and we have a video producer. So I make sure that the science that we're telling is accurate. Our education producer makes sure that it's uh, educationally relevant to the like, curriculums. And then our video producer makes sure it's not boring. Basically, that we're telling an interesting story that kids would be wanted, would be interested in. So Ocean School, we develop these free online products. Uh, that are in French and English, and it's a mixture of uh, linear videos, so like short documentary style videos, 360 videos, and or virtual reality to like really dive in with the kids can dive into the ocean, um, and some augmented reality, and then all those are accompanied by an activity that teachers can use in the classroom, trying to make it as easy as we can for teachers because they are very busy. So we've launched in 2018, and we're still trying to get more teachers to use us, but from the teachers I've talked to, I'd say one of our most popular, I guess, products that we've created is an interactive activity called Baywatch. Uh, and basically, <laughs> it uh, has nothing to do with the kind of Baywatch we're thinking of. Uh, it's basically about nutrification. So it's an interactive game based with like, there's a farm, and students have the opportunity to control how much farming happen- is happening. So in, in essentially increasing how much nutrients is going into the water. Uh, and then at the same time, a student can partner with someone and they've actually paired their phone or iPad. Uh, and the other student is looking underwater. So as the student on land uh, is increasing the nutrients at the farm, the student that's underwater can then see that the color of the water has changed, that a lot of fish are dying, and can see the oxygen levels have drastically decreased. 
And so they can actually collect these data points for the activity at the end, but they get to play around with trying to find the perfect balance because farming is important. We need to make sure that we're creating uh, jobs for farmers, that we're creating food for ourselves, but then also we want to find that balance to create healthy habitats for as everything runs off into the ocean, uh, create that healthy balance. And so whenever we show that interactive activity to teachers, they get really excited about it because it's perfect for that age range. We're hitting, trying to hit grades or ages 11 to 15. Um, and it's really, and kids get really into it. They love being able to go underwater. They love killing the fish, uh, <laughs> watching all the fish die. Uh, and then they decrease the nutrients and the fish come back. Uh, so they love being able to play around with that. And then the person that's on land controlling the nutrients also has an option to like go to the underwater view and it's virtual reality. So basically as you like, if you're holding like an iPad, as you'd like turn around and spin it around, you can see it's moving with you. So it's like, you're looking all the way inside. And at the same time, there's another layer on top of that, that's there's oyster farm happening. So there's oyster beds and you can also increase or decrease the amount of oyster beds in the water. And those oyster beds create a shadow uh, on the ocean floor where the seaweed can't grow. And that's kind of like a, a secondary level of learning for this activity. It's not part of like the data collection. It's kind of like a little Easter egg. And it's really cool when students figure out that like, oh, like when I get rid of all these oyster beds, there's so much more seagrass. But when I put them in, there's like they create these shadows and there's less seagrass uh, and it all kind of works together. So I'd say that one is our most popular activity. Teachers love it. Students love it. Um, everyone gets really excited to be able to kill fish, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's another great thing with um, these technologies. You can do those things that you would never really be able to do in, in real life, right? Like mm -hmm. you you would never want to run an experiment where you just flush loads of fertilizers into <laughs> yeah. a, a lake to kill all the fish, right? You would never be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, good. We can create those simulations so that we don't have to do it <laughs> and it's all based on like, scientific data so it's all like we're, the numbers that we've created are from papers um from with, with the scientists that we work with that's really it's really cool especially the incorporation of oyster beds like i can see there's a lot of potential with that because i know oyster farming is coming back in a few areas i think they've got a pilot project in the new york area new york city area where they're trying to put in oyster beds uh, as a way of helping the water quality of the mm -hmm. harbor i think because they're they're filter feeders so they do exactly. a lot of work in yeah. that way yeah and we actually filmed at an oyster bed so we did 360 videos so you can kind of see the day the life of at an oyster farm and what it's like and we filmed with some people there so they go into all the benefits of oyster farming which yeah exactly like you said filter feeding and that's something that I hadn't considered uh, is that these same beds will also cast shadows and thus also reduce seagrass mm -hmm. habitat. So it's an interesting um, way of exploring this like really complex system of interactions. So how explicit are the links with the curriculum that you make? Or have you just kind of set up the scenario and it, it's sort of loose connections with the curriculum, if you, if you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We try to make it as explicit as possible. Because um, that's what we found. We really to sell it to teachers. We they really need to see those curriculum links clearly, because Ocean School. It's not we don't go into the classroom and just do like an hour session and present and then leave. This is like something we want teachers to integrate into their lesson plans that they can use constantly. It's not really 
so much as a one-off as it is as it should be something that's like kind of really woven into it and for that I think we have to be very clear about the curriculum connections so for example whenever we start looking into kind of creating a new module so uh, we're developing right now something about plastics what we're costing our, our plastics unit uh, we have some footage from that we've already filmed uh, but our education teams, a part of what they do is they do a curriculum scan. So they essentially will go through the curriculums of a, a number of different like provinces here in Canada and find topics that we could be hitting with plastics. Uh, and we try to, and then once we figure out what we want to be filming, we kind of see how we can fit all those topics in or some of them and have them covered. Our goal right now is because there's, 10 provinces, three territories here in Canada, we want to ideally create documents with curriculum connections. So teachers can easily be like, I'm teaching grade five science in Ontario. I need to cover ecosystems. And then they could look at this document and be like, okay, ocean school. If I show them this video, or if we do this module, it will cover this topic that I need to cover. Uh, the challenge is because Ocean School, like anyone's welcome to use Ocean School. Um, it's not just for Canadians. We've had many users in the US and the UK and Australia and France. We're, we're trying to target right now Canadian teachers, but a lot in that kind of age group, a lot of the curriculum is similar in different countries. Uh, they always, ecosystems is a good example, very general scientific method. So those are kind of overarching topics that are covered. Yeah. They're hit at very similar um, ages mm -hmm. and, and, grades over here in the UK as well. We always try to make sure that we're checking to see that we are matching curriculum from the very beginning, not just like at the end. In terms of the resources that you generate to go along with these, um, I know that something that a lot of institutions struggle with is sort of how detailed to go. Some places will produce full units with like lesson one, lesson two, lesson three. With other institutions, they tend to produce just um, suggestions or it'll just be an activity idea they won't try to provide full lessons where does um, ocean school land on that scale oh that's so tough uh so we are the basis of ocean schools inquiry based learning so essentially that means that students can go in and it's the learning is really guided by them the questions that they're asking is guided by the work that they're doing every piece of media has an assignment that our education team created and we create something called module guides that kind of breaks all this down. So some of these assignments are about could last only 15 minutes. It could be something more art related, drawing something about sharks, if that's what they were learning about. Some can be more intensive and kind of really math heavy. Uh, it could take up to an hour. So it really varies in total, like with all of our, if we're just looking for one language. So all of our, uh, English content right now yeah, with all the activities there's about almost 50 hours worth of activity time and wow. uh, yeah we, there's quite a lot we could be used as a one-off activity so for example like the Baywatch I mentioned nutrification that can be kind of a one-off or teach if teachers want they could dive into it even deeper so they could do the oyster farming uh, and do the toy with the oyster farm. And there's also another video connected to that. That's about ova, which is the, the seagrass that they're actually collecting. And they learn about seagrass, which is what they would see in Baywatch. So everything in within an ocean school unit or module, I should say, 
is connected, but it could also it also has enough basis to stand on its own. So we hit kind of both ends of the spectrum, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great, um, it sounds like a really great approach because then d- depending on the teacher's confidence, you know, they could just flow through the whole set of resources or they can choose what, what fits them in their context. Yeah, exactly. So what is your favorite product that you've put together? Uh, my favorite one is our augmented reality whale that we have. So we created a free app. Anyone is welcome to download it. It's available only on Apple products, so iPhones and iPads. Uh, it's called Ocean School, but it's an augmented reality whale, that a uh, North Atlantic right whale to be specific, and there's also an orca. Uh, basically, you can, we say spawn the whale, but you can make the whale appear in the room that you're in. Uh, you have to kind of measure it out. It kind of walks you through the steps of how to do that. You have to measure out the room using the augmented reality technology does it. Uh, makes the whale appear and usually the whale won't fit in the in a for in a classroom so kids would only like to see either just the head of the whale the belly of the whale will <laughs> see the full whale and so they have to go into like the gym or go somewhere outside and actually fit the whale into scale and kids get really excited about that because you can actually take like photos with the whale so it's kind of like if you've played pokemon go and you've made a pokemon um with appear in front of you like in your living room it's that kind of deal, just much bigger. And so uh, I've that's a really easy one. Uh, I've done an outreach. So a lot of museums really like that one because you just need an iPad and you're able to like make this whale appear in this space. And then the orca is a great option as well because it's a lot smaller than the right whale. So it usually fits in smaller spaces. Uh, and then there's facts on the whale as well that you can like click and learn about the whale. There's, they can do... Uh, activities about the different t- the measurements because we have also you can another tab is looking at how big the pictorial fin is actually do measurements so that is my favorite one and usually whenever I do it in outreach people love like I'll just hand them an iPad and then just like hold it up and in front of them all of a sudden there's this giant whale and people the last time I showed it to someone like a month ago she was like so giddy I haven't seen anyone <laughs> be that giddy also I haven't shown Ocean School products to anyone in that way in months so it was really exciting for me. I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I love doing outreach and talking with people. And she was just so excited. And I, that was a great experience. But that's how it is, like any age I've shown it to. Uh, and the same with our virtual realities. We have one that we filmed where you can dive with a North Atlantic right whale. And it's it's very like murky water. So you miss the whale. And so it's really funny watching people trying to like frantically like look for this whale swimming by um, in like a VR headset. But once they see it, they really love it. So those both sound really awesome. Um, with the when you do outreach with these um, augmented reality tools, what what does an outreach session look like? It really varies. So up till now, so I run for I'm the science producer, and I'm also doing do the communications for Ocean School. So I run our social media. Um, I do our outreach, and right now it's been more so me going to local events and kind of just sending up setting up a table, having people come up. I explain to them what Ocean School is. And because these are usually just like general public events, a lot of, so for, for example, on World's Oceans Day, I go to one with a bunch of other local ocean organizations, essentially do the virtual reality with, with the people. I get them to either, they can go diving with the whale, they can go diving in a kelp forest that we filmed in BC, or they can dive with sharks in Costa Rica, which is another one that we filmed. 
We have a program set up with Fisheries and Oceans Canada and one of their research institutes when they want to bring classes in. Uh, we work with a local organization there. Then we've developed a workshop that they run for us um, where the kids are able to do the augmented reality whale. And then the organization also brings in some specific, they do a lot of lobster outreach. So they bring some lobsters in as well. So it's kind of like a combined program. For myself, the outreach that I do is more so kind of just promoting ocean school. So talking with teachers, doing presentations, and just getting people excited about the ocean. So which of the products that ocean school has produced do you feel is the most effective experience in terms of promoting pro-environmental attitudes or behaviors in the people that use the use the products? I honestly think it is the one I mentioned, Baywatch, um, just because students are able to see the impact of their actions kind of in real time as they are changing like the nutrients on the farm, getting more cows, getting more crops. They can then see how that immediately impacts the ocean, which obviously isn't as that immediate in real life. And that really creates that connection. And as they're playing around with it, they can, they really start to understand that there is always that connection. And that's one of the things that Ocean School really want to promote is uh, promoting ocean literacy, which essentially boils down to understanding your impact on the ocean and understanding the ocean's impact on you, no matter where you are, no matter if you're hundreds of kilometers away from the ocean, uh, you're still feeling the impacts of the ocean through weather, through oxygen, and the things that you're doing are also impacting the ocean. So that's kind of the a main message we try to have come out in all of our materials, showcase different ways different ways people impact the ocean. So a student that's in the middle of Canada has never seen an ocean in their life can still understand that they're connected in what they do in their everyday life. The choices that they make all matter in impacting the ocean and impacting the local environment. I can imagine that it works really well as a way of bringing together these two elements that are really difficult in environmental education is that the things that we talk about the problems tend to happen over really big time scales and also really big geographic areas. A tool that compresses that space and compresses that time. I can see that really helping kids to make those connections. Yeah, exactly. So Ocean School is a partnership that's based within Canada, but you've mentioned that um, anyone can make use of the products. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Anyone is welcome to use Ocean School. Something that we've been talking about a bit on the podcast the last few episodes is working with Indigenous or Aboriginal communities. Has Ocean School done any of that work? Because I know that that's a big thread in Canadian education. Uh, yeah, for sure. So we actually have our next module that's coming out in hopefully early 2021. It's called The Harvest, and we filmed it with uh, the Hellsick. Uh, they live on the central coast of British Columbia, so on the Pacific side of Canada. And this was their first time working with an Indigenous community from the like very beginning. So we kind of went in, uh, we just said, hey, we'd like to create this educational material. What do you need for like your, they have their own school system. So basically we're asking like, what, is there any gaps that we could fill? And they were really interested been working with us and creating um, educational materials about the herring harvest and the salmon run. So in the fall, the salmon, they go from the ocean into the rivers and streams to spawn. And then a lot of those salmon end up dying and that really feeds the forests there. And so it 
it's a whole, it's a beautiful event. If you ever watch footage of it, it's really great. It brings in all these different animals, the bears, the wolves. And so we filmed that in the fall. And then we went back in the spring and we filmed the herring spawn. So basically millions of herring come and spawn on the coast there. And the water is essentially milky white from all the herring sperm and egg that's in the water. And then the Helsic, they, you put kelp in the water, like they put their own kelp in the water and also hemlock trees. And the herring will essentially stick their eggs to that. And then they will harvest those eggs uh, and sell them uh, commercially. Wow. So we focused, yeah, we kind of did the the, the traditional ways of harvesting uh, salmon and herring. And then we also worked with, once again, uh, the Fisheries and Oceans Canada, so the government organization, and looked at like kind of like a scientific lens as, of it as well. Um, and then throughout this whole process, we've been working with them, uh, with their language council, because they wanted us to use their language for certain titles. So we make sure we did that. Our, we always have a youth host present in all our videos and kind of leads the questions. And this youth host was from Helsic Nation. So his name was Jordan. So it was really, he would get really emotional a lot of the time, kind of learning more about his background and learning more about his heritage and be able to like work with other, with younger kids and teach it to them as well. So he's like very connected to the land and to the ocean there as well. Uh, So that is our kind of like our shining example of working with Indigenous communities. We also have a popular resource we have on our the Ocean School YouTube page is uh, Netta Kalemic, which is we filmed with the Indigenous people here in Nova Scotia called the Mi'kmaq. And essentially it's about, Netta Kalemic is the idea of essentially living sustainably. Uh, so it's a story narrated by an elder. The story is about a grandmother cod and her grandchild cod and kind of explaining how to live sustainably. So we try to include Indigenous voices as much as possible, especially in Canadian content. So we're also now working with going up into the Arctic. So we want to work with Inuit communities up there as well. But within like Ocean School ourselves, we're trying to like find the best ways to do this. It's a journey for for all the organizations mm-hmm. all, all over. But it sounds like you've got some really great examples of products coming up that have done quite a good job. So we'll we'll look forward to those products um, yeah. early next year, hopefully. Yeah. Any other last bits that you'd like to share about products that you think are that you really want people to know about? Yeah. Uh, so at the beginning, so in March, so the beginning of COVID, we wanted to make a way that's kind of easy as everyone was really stressed at the time, an easy way to see what Ocean School has available. So if you go to just oceanschool.ca slash home, it'll take you there. And basically it's four weeks of lesson plans. And although we put, we don't usually put our videos on YouTube, but for learn from home, we did. Um, And every, for every day, there's a video and an activity. Parents, teachers can be like, oh, go to this website. Here's the link. You can download the activity from the website. You can do this. Uh, so it was, it's was. it been very popular. Um, and it's kind of, I like to think of it, it's kind of a teaser of Ocean School because it has some of the stuff that we offer, but not everything. It has a good sampling of our interactive activities, our uh, virtual reality videos, and our uh, documentary style videos as well. And I highly encourage people, if 
they're interested in checking out Ocean School, starting there, just because it'll give you a good idea of what to expect. If anyone has any questions or if they're interested in incorporating Ocean School resources or materials in their institutions, they can definitely reach out and I can answer any questions if they have them or share our virtual workshop that we created that could be used. Yeah, I definitely encourage people to check out Ocean School because it's a great way to teach about the environment, especially the ocean. Well, thanks very much for that, Lucia. It's It's been really great to, to chat with you. Yeah, no, this has been really fun. I've never filmed a podcast before, so this was really cool. Or right. I guess I didn't film, recorded a podcast. <laughs> And if anyone is interested in looking into any more of the uh, Ocean School resources, or if you've got questions or comments uh, for Lucia, contact details and the website will be in the show notes. And full show notes are always available from our website, which is knowingnaturepodcast.wordpress.com. You can contact Knowing Nature for if you've got any questions or comments. Uh, Our email address is knowingnaturepodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at KN underscore podcast. Thanks for listening. 